Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin Show, episode 132. Coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host producer Eric Fisher, the Big E. Joining me via Skype this week, we've got Sean Klosterman, member of the Highway 22 crew. Sean, how you doing? Doing good, how are you? Fantastic. I believe Shauna might be joining us later in some capacity. I do not have that on official. Uh, she is. She was tutoring tonight, and now she has to finish some work stuff. So she is not currently on the premise of the Riverwood Gallery Studio in Depeer, Wisconsin. But we'll see. Also joining us this week to start the show, generally we would start off with promoting the content of Ragin' Pro Wrestling, RPW, and you'd hear me scrambling around and trying to find all the names of the events, where they are, etc. We're going to skip past that because we have owner of RPW, Rich Bukholz. Rich, how are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm great. How are you? Doing fantastic. Thanks for joining us first and foremost. Uh, very excited. We've got some big RPW stuff coming up. Uh, two events next week that you're here to talk about a little bit, like I said, instead of me scrambling around and trying to find it. So let's start off with Friday night, and that is RPW Homecoming 1. Actually, I don't even know if the 1's officially on there, but I'm going to say that it is because I think yep. that's what I've been saying the whole time. Yep, it'll be our first ever uh, homecoming is in Wapaka, Wisconsin, at the Wapaka Expo Center. Um, some of the matches you'll see are Casey Lennox versus Maggie Lee, uh, Silas Young and Stacy Shadows teaming up against Julie Avalon and Sierra, Vanity versus former WWE superstar Santana Garrett, uh, Preston Palmer versus former WWE superstar Swoggle. Uh, the main event will be the RPW Women's Champion, Heather Reckless versus RPW Glamour Champion, Missa Kate. That's awesome. That uh, sounds like a great show already. And I know we had talked about this a little bit, uh, I believe last week, maybe two weeks ago. RPW, a great way to see a lot of the, the budding stars of the wrestling business. Several t members of talent that will be at RPW upcoming shows were featured on the Pro Wrestling Insider Top 250 Women. Uh, could you go through a couple of those that would be featured on that list? Um, Eva Lee should be on that list. Tessa Blanchard, Kier Hogan, Diamante. Um, I think who else? Um, Rachel Allering should be on that list. Heather Reckless, Lainey Luck, uh, Missa Kate. It like we pretty much look at the list and try to reach out to people. So. <laughs> and I mean, and that kind of goes to show the talent that's coming through RPW. And I know, you know, a couple weeks back we had talked to uh, RPW star TW3, who has been shining in OVW as of late, Ohio Valley Wrestling. And another talent that was featured that's featured heavily in Ohio Valley Wrestling, um, as well as the Netflix documentary documentary series Wrestlers was Hollywood Haley J, uh, who's yep. also just kind of budding onto the scene as well. But she has been in RPW several times now. 
She has. Uh, she was actually on Collision this past weekend, uh, facing Sky Blue. So I, I kind of want to ask, and I know you know we we talked to TW3 just about OVW the business, but as a promoter and as an owner of of RPW, what is it like seeing some of that talent, like a uh, Hollywood Haley J, like a Mr. Kate, and all these other you know women and men for that matter too? really getting some shine on the national stage, whether it be getting WWE tryouts and being featured in the Netflix show. What is that like from your perspective? When I started RPW, that was my number one goal, was to try and get people to get signed by WWE, get signed by AEW, get signed by Impact, uh, get tryouts for WOW, get signed by WOW. Um, pretty much, we started with a blank canvas, and a lot of our talent is shining and we can't be more proud of that. Sean. Yeah. <laughs> that That's the part where you ask a question, Sean, or I'm <laughs> so sorry if you got one, I can, I can ask another one if you would like, and then you yep. can think of one. Okay. You, you can go right ahead. <laughs> All right, Rich. So we capped off so a two night event. Uh, or two nights of events, uh, as mentioned, RPW Homecoming 1, that being at the Wapaka Expo Center. New venue for RPW. How did that come to be? So that was a very interesting story. Um, my mom passed away on Easter Sunday. And when I was over there trying to get everything squared away, one of the people that's a director at the place where we were doing our burial arrangements actually works for Wea, and that's how we got connected with the Expo Center. And a little bit of a, from what I've seen on Facebook, and I wanted to ask you about this, because a little bit of a different seating, if I'm not mistaken, is that correct? Um, Not really different seating, it's just a matter of it's in a hockey arena, so it's only half the ice. Okay. But But there are full bleachers. So that's a little different. So like they can fit almost 800 people in there. And tickets, are they still available for that one? Yes, they are still available. Um, front row is sold out. There is second row and third row available. And there are bleachers seats available. Um, you can get bleacher seats for $10 at Look Sharp or the Wapak Expo Center. All right, Sean, did you think of a question yet? Not yet. <laughs> I got nothing for you. I'm sorry. All right. So that's night one. Night two, we go to a familiar destination, and that being RPW Destiny 3. Yep. And that is at the Big Apple in Manitowoc. And walk us through that event in the card a little bit on that one. So that one was a more familiar event to me. Uh, we had a lot of people assigned for that night originally so pretty much the main event is going to be Tessa Blanchard versus Kier Hogan versus Diamante um, we're also having a six-man elimination scramble match of Jake Suffing versus Xavier Walker versus Silas Young versus Ian Gager versus Garrison Creed versus Damian Chambers which should be a dream match of most venues and most promotions um, Santana Garrett's going to face Casey Lennox uh, Shane Hill is going to face Perfection. Uh, another scramble match for a number one feature uh, contenders would be Maggie Lee versus Vanity. 
versus Brooke Tanner versus Heather Monroe versus Kayla Cassidy. And those are your main matches for that show. So the main event in this show and the one that's gotten probably the most love on social media, you got to talk about the Diamante, Kira Hogan, and Tessa Blanchard because three legitimate TV stars, people that don't come through northeastern Wisconsin a whole lot unless they're on like a national tour like a WWE, like an AEW. And I don't even, as far as I know, I think AEW's only been to Milwaukee. They haven't come to Green Bay yet. So, really, a lot of talent that hasn't seen Northeast Wisconsin. And, and you know, you kind of mentioning getting some of the, the, you know, getting people the workouts. But what's it like on the flip side of that, then, bringing in the top TV talent and top talents where Tessa Blanchard's been a legitimate world heavyweight champion, not just a women's champion, but she's been a heavyweight champion. She has um, Tessa Blanchard originally was on the show, and then all of a sudden she had an obligation, and all of a sudden she was back on the show. So we had to flip everything. Um, that's why you saw things of Kier Hogan versus Diamante, because originally it was going to be Tessa Blanchard versus Kier Hogan. Then we made it a triple threat match once Tessa was available again. Um, but yeah, Tessa has been awesome to us. Um, we had a deal set back in April and then she messaged me back in August and told me her situation and later in September she told me she was good to go so and I know the first RPW event that Ramsey and I went to the the one of the promotion angles was that there was somebody who's been on TV on wrestling and every single match. And really that's kind of been a thing that's really carried over to all RPW events. So not only are you kind of getting some of these budding stars, but you're also getting top talent to come in towards Northeast Wisconsin. We are like, as far as I know, I don't believe Tessa Kier or Diamante have ever been in Wisconsin, at least not on the indie level. Um, a lot of talent we use doesn't work in Wisconsin. We do that on purpose so that it makes us different than everybody else. And one very familiar face to wrestling fans, and just kind of going backwards to RPW Homecoming, yep. is Swaggle, the former WWE star at the time, formerly known as Hornswaggle. I, I don't know if you can say that, but I can. Because yep. <laughs> you're the promoter, I'm not. I'm just looking at it here, but... Born and raised Northeast Wisconsin, um, has trained several stars. I believe TW3 was one of those as well, and talking to him. But what's it like to get a guy of his magnitude where people kind of, you know, at this point, they know him from the WWE stint. They know him from the different online media things that he does. And getting somebody of, of that name recognition on your card. That was huge. Uh, or Swago reached out to us and was like, can you get us on a, on a future show? Can you get me on a future show? And I said, I will definitely try. I'm like, the best one I can do right now is homecoming. Um, the thing is, we print our stuff so far ahead that Swago and Santana weren't on the poster. And like, that was a huge thing for a lot of people asking, like, why is it different people on the poster? And I'm like, it's based on when we met up with Weha, they wanted everything done as way ahead. So like 
we had to have everything submitted by the end of June. And we didn't get confirmation on either one until I believe the end of June and probably late August for Swago. So. So I'm always one. I always like kind of figuring out the flip side of things. And and one thing that I think the Netflix docu-series that wrestlers of Netflix uh, did a very good job was kind of showing the creative side and, and getting talent in and, you know, showing off how to really showcase your talent as a promoter. Yep. And we saw the kind of the, the battles between Al Snow and Matt Jones and, you know, your kind of your wrestling brain versus your, your business brain. So just bring that down. And I'm, I'm not going to force you to, to give any trade secrets here, but just watching that series and watching everything that's kind of come out from it how does rich rage and rich former wrestling referee kind of relate to that and give a peek behind the curtain so i'm more like matt than i am like al i think more budget wise than i do storyline wise um i want to give the crowd and our fans the best matches possible um, is it always going to be something that everybody wants? No. Is it something that I think will draw eventually? Yes. Um, it's just based on trying to figure out what works best in what area. Like we draw really good outside of Wisconsin and Southern Manitowoc South for advanced ticket sales. So we're definitely doing something right on that level. We just got to figure out the middle ground. So one thing you know, we always talk about when we talk to you about this, Rich, is what's next for RPW? You know, we've got we've talked about getting talent on TV, and and that's always going to be, continue to be the goal. But what is the next steps here for RPW in your book? Trying to bring in new faces that haven't been in Wisconsin is a huge thing. Uh, we're going to be doing a promotion next year where we're going to allow fans to sponsor a wrestler if they want to. It's just something that I've seen elsewhere that seems to work. Um, fans adapt to it, and hopefully it'll work in RPW. We should have it postered within the next couple of weeks. So my poster guy lives in Iowa, so he was on vacation, but should have it done in the next couple of weeks. All right. And I know you promised that before you, before you left the episode, we're looking yep. ahead to April. You had some breaking news here for us, exclusive to the Rupert Wisconsin show. So what do you got for us, Rich? It'll be for the 210 show. We are bringing in Brian Keith, who was just on Rampage. Uh, Brian Keith was number one overall in PWI um, in the African-American bracket. Uh, he is a huge name, and we're hoping he doesn't get signed before them. But if he doesn't, he will be at RPW Redemption 3. He will All be right. facing Kyle Pro. All right. And How? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and that is also our last scheduled show at the Watering Hall. Really? Do we have a new home venue, or are we going to be planning on kind of like the traveling venues like we've been doing? Um, we are right now the traveling venues. 
So but that is the last one we have an agreement to is February 10th. So we, we're doing a lot of uh, names coming in that show to make it a very special show. TW3 is facing Danny Limelight from California. Um, Jordan Blue is coming in to wrestle on that show. Casey Lennox will be back. Uh, it's a really heavy show as far as talent coming in. All right. Well, Bridget, before we let you go, I would be remiss if I did not mention your Detroit Lions being atop <laughs> the stupid NFC North, having a great season, and really, I mean, a peak time in sports for you. I mean, I, I want to tip, tip my hat here. You've had you were in Las Vegas for the banner raising for the Golden Knights. You've got Detroit not sucking. I mean, congratulations. Yes, and you'll get to see Devin wear a Lion jersey as a punishment for his bet that he lost against me when Detroit won. So, Do we know the jersey? Which jersey is it going to be? He is wearing my Rage and Rich 26 jersey. Oh, so we had a custom. Okay. Yes, I like <laughs> All right, Sean. He's only, he's only got to wear it when he introduces me. <laughs> so he doesn't have to wear it for the whole show. I I think you, you underestimate it. I think he should wear it for the whole, whole show. I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> That's up to him. I can't force him to do that. We only had to bet for the matches. So. <laughs> well, I tell you, you, you know, if you're if the lines are going to continue to not suck, you got to really up your bets here. I mean, one match? Come on, Rich. It's two matches. <laughs> Oh, two matches. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. I'm roughing the Santana vanity match and I'm roughing the Maggie Lee versus Casey Lennox match. Well, okay. Now I got to. You'll actually love the Maggie Maggie Lee. She's actually a diehard Packer fan. Really? So I got to ask I know, you know, last fall or last winter, um, we got the return of referee Rage and Rich. Yes. So, and that has been something that's now carried over beyond a one night appearance. So, what uh, what brought you back in the ring on a now semi semi regular basis? The only reason I'm doing the Wapaka show is because it's the event's called Homecoming. I grew up in Wairiga. Um, so it's more like a tribute to my mom, and a lot of my family members are coming. Pretty much all Section B is family, friends, and friends of my friends. So pretty much that whole role, that whole section's all sold out. I have over 36 people coming. That's fantastic. All right. So how can folks get tickets for both events? They can go on rpwprowrestling.com, or they can go get general admission tickets at the venues at the Wapaka Expo Center for Friday night, November 3rd, or the Big Apple in Manitowoc, or they can get both of them at Look Sharp at the Fox River Mall. All right. Sean, did you think of any parting questions here? Nope, I got nothing. He, he, answered, he answered pretty much all the questions. All right. Well, Rich, I want to thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next week. Sounds great. Thank you very much. Have a great okay. night. Next week again. But tickets are available at the venues at Look Sharp in the Fox Room Mall and at RPW. Where, oh, shit. Oh, no. I didn't think I was going to have to do it. I didn't think Home I was going to have to do it. I mean, we just had him on. Yep. RPW Homecoming 1. No, I was looking rpwprowrestling.com. Also All available right. there. You're not prepared. Should have just I, asked. I know. I, I'm I'm just as disappointed in myself as everybody else should be.
All right, Sean. So with that, we get into our episode, and we start off with what we had rooted for in the past week. And Sean, I'll let you go first on this one. I don't remember what I rooted for. Um, it doesn't have to be the same thing that you said on the show last week. I was to be honest, with you, I don't remember what I picked. I like doing that. I like doing it. Okay. I, I don't. I whatever, man. Judging me. Sorry, I blew up. <laughs> I'm getting yelled at. As you um, should. <laughs> uh, I think it was just trying to get the Packers get their head out of their ass, but that never happened. So I don't know. Well, we have a lot to talk about on the Packers, so we will save yeah. that for a yeah. little bit later in the episode. Uh, my root fours last week. <laughs> I'm gonna go against my own advice here because I'm gonna use exactly what I used at the end of last week's show. Is I'm just rooting for being back in the radio booth on both the microphone side and the producer's chair. Uh, the last couple of days here has been pretty busy, and it's going to continue hopefully being pretty busy for my fall here in winter. Uh, we had Friday night was in Luxembourg for WIAA playoff football. Uh, Little shoot versus Luxembourg Casco, and big win for the Spartans of Luxembourg Casco. And my biggest complaint of that game, first of all, Sean, have you ever been to Luxembourg Casco High School? Yep. Uh, we, played, we played there when, we, when I was in high school, yeah. Because they are no longer part of that Northeastern Conference for football. Right. Or O'Connell Falls, is it, I should say. Uh, but the reason I ask is just absolutely incredible sporting complex and venue. I mean, I was blown away and the hospi- hospitality was great they had uh, up in the press booth they had brats they had cookies they had chips also you know can't say enough about the hospitality that was provided to us in the the media side the coaching staff that was up in the booth um so i want to shout out luxembourg casco athletics there uh like i said awesome venue uh had been in their basketball gym my first stint uh doing door county sports uh where i believe i did a practice I covered for one of the mini segments I was doing up there, but I had never been to the football field, obviously never to the baseball field until uh, Friday night and everything around. I mean, this, this, the stands were packed. It was perfect fall weather, a great night for high school football. My only complaint of the evening was that Luxembourg Casco was playing little shoot. So, Generally, I can shorten it to LC, but I can't do that when both teams are LC. And it's LC, right? And really, that's only on the side of the social media side too, because I mean, obviously, I'm going with Luxembourg Casco Spartans. But as I do my updates during the game, I'm literally having to type out Luxembourg Casco or Spartans every single time. I can't shorten it to LC. So that's that's my only complaint. Uh, will not be an issue as as mentioned. Luxembourg Casco did get the win on Friday night, so their their season continues, and they will be facing the Keel Purple Raiders, the two versus the three in that portion of the Division Four bracket. Uh, winner will take on the winner of Two Rivers hosting Campbellsport. To move on to level, what that would be level three, um, would be that matchup, and then level four and five would be kind of like your semi, your quarterfinal, semifinal. So, 
Lots to do in the upcoming weeks. Lots of football, hopefully, uh, on the docket. But on the flip side, we also had the start of Green Bay Men and Women's College Basketball, which, as our listeners know, I'm very involved in on the radio side, on the producer side. Um, Green Bay Women had their first exhibition game last night. That was the Green Bay Phoenix hosting UW Stout and the Blue Devils. And... I mean, obviously, Green Bay rolled past um, the Stout Blue Devils, and they gave a good effort. But the reality is Green Bay is once again picked to be atop the Horizon League, and they were unanimous selection to be the preseason favorite for the Horizon League regular season title. And just it's so much fun to be a part of Phoenix Athletics. Is That's where I went to college. Start of the season, always exciting as well. Um, and and really just kind of getting back in the flow of things. And, you know, it's a long season, but it's fun. So very excited for that. They raised their conference title banner. They got their conference title rings last night. And they will have one more exhibition game, that being this coming Wednesday. Tickets are still available at the Crest Center. Uh, that game will be Uper Night is the promotion, and they will be hosting Northern Michigan in that one. On the men's side, only one exhibition game for them as they play St. Norbert this coming Monday, uh, six o'clock game on Monday, and for the first time we see head coach Sundance Wicks on the sideline for Green Bay. Uh, for what it's worth. Be sure to check out our interview with him when he first got hired on the Roots, Back to the Roots show with Justin and myself. That coming, uh, that is exclusive to YouTube. So be sure to go check out our YouTube page for that interview if you want to get a little bit of what Coach Sundance Wicks is about. Um, if you've ever seen the show Ted Lasso, the dude is very much Ted Lasso. So be sure to check that interview out. And again, root for him as he is in his first season. Once again, a whole new roster turnover, uh, kind of on the flip side of the women's team. The men's team projected, uh, according to the coaches, poll to finish dead last in the Horizon League. But honestly, I think this team's going to surprise a lot of people. I think Coach Wicks has got an uphill battle for sure, uh, just with the, you know, in the world of the transfer portal and expecting immediate results. There's, I think, two players on the roster from last season. So, For lots, lots of work to do. Wise or just, um, just guys graduating. A lot of players leaving in the transfer portal. Um, will there be to an equal, you know, another mid-major? Really, nobody kind of going up to that next level. But a couple guys going D two, D three that weren't really going to fit into the new style as well. So. Just you know, kind of again, just transitionary mid-major basketball. So happens a lot. That's the nature of the game. But I think this is going to be a way to kind of really reinvigorate this program. Um, coming off of two and two and a half years, really, of Coach Will Ryan, where it was one of those kind of looking back at you know his tenure here, a lot of hype for being the son of Bo Ryan. Um, but really, I mean, nothing against Coach Ryan, but really hadn't done it at the Division One level where Coach Wicks does have some Division One access. He does have the 
you know, was a mid, he was coaching a mid-major last year as an assistant coach in Wyoming. So has the, the high major, has the low, you know, the mid-major experience as an assistant coach, as a head guy. So I, I think you're going to see a very different era around Green Bay basketball and, and just a different feeling toward. So very excited for the start of the Coach Wicks era. So with the positives do come the negatives, and that leads us to our Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week. And if I may, I would I would like to go first in this one because I am fired up about something. So if that's okay with you, Sean. Yeah, you're good. Go ahead. All right. So last week on the show, I had talked about fantasy football and some of the struggles my teams have been having, you know, having good rosters, just not getting the great output and sometimes facing some of the best scores in the league. And that's nature of the business. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Where my nookie comes in for this week, though, is Atlanta Falcons head coach Arthur Smith. Um, really just a giant, I don't even want to say a giant middle finger to the, to the fantasy football embedding. Because honestly, I'm, I'm very shocked that there hasn't been more follow-up from this yet. And I know that the NFL is saying the right things about investigating it. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Coach Smith um, and how NFL games work is an hour and a half before the game, they have to submit their inactives and who's, you know, who's healthy and who's going to play. You often have a healthy scratch, but if a guy is hurt and they're kind of a game-time decision, you don't want to put them on the IR or anything like that, you can free up a space on your active roster by having a guy be a healthy scratcher, being scratched for an inactive. You can bring up a practice squad guy. You can do a number of things. Where this becomes a talking point is rookie running back Bijan Robinson, who is, I would argue, one of the best players on Atlanta's offense already in his rookie year. And definitely one of their most high-profile guys. You know, fantasy football and betting withstanding. But when you factor in that, again, that's a very big name to have a situation. Through halftime, did not have a single snap on the field. I believe he had three – at the end of the game, I believe he had three snaps. He had one carry for three yards. Uh, At halftime, he was – Coach Smith was asked about his availability because, you know, you start thinking, okay, was it disciplinary? Was it – you know, was there an injury? You know, what's the situation? Why is this guy not playing? For how good he is, how explosive of a player. I mean, he's well, he's a top five pick or top ten pick for sure. Top ten. Number eight. Um, thank you. But a top ten player in the NFL, or top ten draft pick in this last draft, who by all accounts was healthy. So the guy should be a go. And Coach Smith just says, yeah, he wasn't feeling good. Writes it off. Doesn't say anything. But for me, it's just like I said, it's one of those things where with as much as the NFL has invested into the gambling world, where they have official sportsbook partners, where they have as much invested into daily fantasy sports, and then the fact that you can play fantasy football through NFL.com, and as much as an impact as fantasy football has you know, worldwide, the amount of money that kind of matters on a guy playing or not playing... 
aside from the game itself, is outlandish that we don't know that they don't make him, him inactive or that they're, they're not forced to disclose that situation. I mean, even if you don't make him inactive, because you can say, yeah, he might, you know, you could at least head, you know, I feel like you should at least have to hedge your your audience in some capacity, say, hey, here's what's going on, even if it's after inactives are released, um, and you're going to have him a game time active. I, like I said, I'm just surprised with how much the NFL has gotten into this other world of money that this hasn't been a bigger deal. Um, yep. Coach Smith was asked about it yesterday and basically said, yeah, this isn't something I care to talk about. I want to talk about, I think he said he wanted to talk about climate change. Like that's more important to him than talking about this, which really I think is, again, just kind of showing off what an ignorant asshat you are and just a smug son of a bitch in this. I I get that it's not your job, and you can say, you know, competitive advantage to not let the whole world know that, hey, this guy might have a headache and might not be playing, but I I feel like at some capacity, like the NFL, again, with how much money they have around in this whole thing, has to be cognizant and has to do a better job of not letting like something like that happen in the future. And, and yeah, it happened to me. So I, I, you know, I have him on team. So I'll be the first to admit, like, obviously I'm going to be a little bit biased to the situation, but at the same time, like I said, I mean, you can, you can talk about spending guys and not having guys play because of, you know, they're gambling or whatever. And they're not even gambling on the NFL, but if they gamble in a team facility, they get suspended for six games. But then you have, you know, an official sportsbook partner. You have official, you know, whatever. And you have every commercial is either Travis Kelsey doing something or it's about, um, you know, it's about the Daily Fantasy Sports, DraftKings, FanDuel, whatever. So that's my did, nuggie. Did he have any injury designation going into Sunday? I do not believe so. I believe he was considered healthy going into the game hmm. and that's that's where like i said i think that's the ultimate kind of not middle finger but that's the ultimate like problem with this is that the guy didn't have an injured designation and you can't even you know if you're looking at bets and you're looking at whatever you have no way of knowing that that's going to be the case right you know at least if he had some sort of injury or even if you just put him questionable with illness I mean, that's still kind of something that you can kind of hedge your bets on, at least have an answer when you're sitting here at halftime and the whole world's like, what the fuck, you know? Right. So that's my noogie. That's the, it, like I said, just really rubbed me the wrong way and everything on that front. So 11 snaps again in week seven against Tampa Bay. Yep. So Sean, what do you got for us? Well, mine, mine's not going to be as in-depth as what you got. I'm just going to go with the rain because I'm so sick of rain right now that it's I just, it's just terrible up here. This, this weather has just been horrible, and I don't know. feels like it's 11 o'clock at night when it's 6 o'clock, and I'm just, I'm just sick of it already. <laughs> 
Oh, Sean, you we have so much longer to go with this being the case. I would rather it be snow. Than wow. Rain. I'll I just say we're we're a few months away from it being dark at like three o'clock, four o'clock. Yeah. The the darkness I don't I don't mind. It's just the rain. I can I can go without the rain. <laughs> I want it to be snow. I'd rather it be snow. I believe I saw some in, some inklings that that is not in, too far in, away from us here. There's they, been they, uh, some rumblings in Montana or Wyoming or Dakotas already. There's been some rumblings that uh, it's coming near. Good. I'm so. Ready. All right. So that is our root four and nuggy segment for this week. With that, we get into our Wisconsin Web Story of the Week. And this one... Josh Allen scored a touchdown. I, yeah, I just got that. <laughs> I actually have two for us this week, so just really two really quick hits here, Sean. We uh, talk about the burger. The what? Curd burger from Culver's. We have not, but we can as I pull these up. That, 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 that's my, my contribution to the Weird Wisconsin Web Story. I still have not tried it. I really want to go try it. I have had one this year. I've had oh, yes. one every sing- at least one every single year that they've done. This is the third year now. Um, We're going to Shano tomorrow. I might, we might go to Culver's to try the curd burger. It's pretty good. I, I got to say, very good. Um, it's a little bit of an odd oddity. Because... It's fried, right? Yeah, it's a fried cheese curd that... Like access your cheese, but I think there's also a slice of cheese on it. But yeah, it's just like I said, it's just it's it's like a fried cheese curd. So when you bite into the burger, it's like you know how Culver's has their burgers. They kind of have it like a little more done on top. It's a little bit crunchy anyway, but it's like double crunch, mm. which is very it's it's delicious. Don't get me wrong. Have you, Have you been at the tailgate when Jimmy's been cooking with the magnets? Yes, I believe I if I know where you're going with this, he tried doing a curd burger. I think, yeah. oh god, this is quite some time ago, but I remember he's done this before with brisket and cheese yeah. curd. We didn't deep fry it. We had cheese curd, side pork, burger, and then I think a brat patty. That's right. I remember the first year that he tried that because it was That's what we had. I want to, I want to say it was the second year that I went to that, and I haven't been in a while because of radio obligations, but. The second year, or third year maybe, that I came to that with you, it was right after I'd probably, I think I was right after I'd started interning, because I talked to them about the curd burger at Green Bay Distillery, where they go with the fresh cheese curds, which I'm very excited about, because I get to get one for the first time in over a month um, on Sunday. See, would Would you rather have it with cheese curds or the fried cheese curds? I think I'd have rather have it with the fresh cheese curds. I I would have to agree. I like the fresh cheese curd better because I like the fact that it acts as the cheese. It's thicker. And it's squeaky. Well, that's always fun, too. <laughs> so. So our Wisconsin Web Stories of the Week, we have two uh, this week. First one, just a real quick one coming out of Milwaukee. And a Milwaukee comic shop is looking to sell the copy of the first appearance by Spider-Man. In the comic book that could go for up to thirty five thousand dollars. 
Uh, Collector's Edge has acquired a copy of Fantasy, Amazing Fantasy number 15, which is the first appearance of Peter Parker as he's bitten by a radioactive spider. This dates back to 1962. And it is going to be going... He said he had found it... Uh, or a couple had found it among a relative's possessions that had passed away and brought it to him for help selling it. And a, this one, so this is expected to kind of go a little bit under kind of the, the high side. Um, a near-perfect copy of this in 2021 was sold on auction for $3.6 million in Texas. Uh, the collector's edge copy is worn and the edges have a few small tears. On a scale of 0.5 to 10, with 0.5 being the worst that could be, 10 being perfect, uh, this is a 3. But still kind of figuring right now that it could be $35,000. Obviously, as auctions go, it could obviously go for more, but it could go for less. Um, and he said that before it goes for auction, that he has reached out to some of the regular customers of the shop to see if they do want to purchase it before going to the auction, but at this point they have not. And that's kind of where the things are at right now is uh, thirty-six up to $35,000 for the first appearance of Spider-Man, uh, the first on auction, I believe, since 2021 with that one that was $3.6 million. Uh, the other Wisconsin web story of the week here was title on social media as Fear the deer, but not the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, as we'd kind of mentioned in our pre-show discussion, Milwaukee Bucks getting the regular season started off tonight. Uh, they're up sixty-four to fifty or sixty-three to fifty-four at halftime over the Philadelphia 76ers at home here at the Fiserv. But this version of Fear the Deer, Sean, a deer crashed through a window of a crowded noodles and company in Beloit, Wisconsin. Of course, it has to be Beloit. Um, so the article on this one coming from the Milwaukee Journal said, I'll fear the deer. No, not Giannis or Dame, but an actual buck that came crashing through a window at noodles and company in Beloit on Tuesday. The deer made his appearance during the lunchtime rush, causing diners to rush for safety. The incident was captured on surveillance videos. And it's kind of loading here as I'm, I'm reading, but... Uh, everyone's scrambling around. No one was harmed in the incident. The deer explored the kitchen before exiting out a back door opened by an employee, according to Noodles spokesman, uh, spokesperson Danielle Moore. Um, our team members, quote, our team members' priority throughout the whole process was to make sure the deer made it outside the restaurant safely and that no one was harmed during the encounter. A group of students on a field trip were in the restaurant during the encounter, uh, according to Moore, and said, we are thankful that a teacher was on site. The restaurant was temporarily closed, but reopened on Wednesday with a new special called the Two Buck Mac and Cheese for just two dollars. So it's amazing how deer can't run or can't stand up when they're on something that's not grass, grass. or road. It really is. It it really is an oddity. They turn and, back into. On. Yeah, it's like watching Bambi run around on ice. Yep. Legs flying everywhere. I the only thing I can't tell from this article is how big the buck was because it's really quick and kind of blurry. But I can only imagine. Can you imagine sitting in like noodles and company, or like you said, you're going to Culver's tomorrow, Sean. So you're sitting in Culver's, you're eating your Curter burger, 
And in comes like a 12 point buck or something like that. Just do you drag? Or if you're sitting there, Sean, this happens. Are you trying to take it down or are you staying out of the way? Totally. Totally trying. Now, what if it's a, is it, if it's just a little four pointer? Are you letting it kind of do its thing? Still going to taste good in the frying pan. <laughs> so, no, no limit. Sean's not. <laughs> Sean's not staying out of the way. Sean is trying to take down the deer. Right. I would love to see that. Sean versus Buck. You can get that at RPW uh, <laughs> in February. We'll promote to Rachel. We'll have a deer. We'll get a deer somehow. I don't know. Somehow. But anyway, so that is our... Wisconsin Web Stories of the Week. And that leads us into the heart of our episode. Uh, no baseball really to mention, just that the World Series will be starting on Friday night. The Arizona Diamondbacks outlast the Philadelphia Phillies and continue the tradition of teams that beat the Milwaukee Brewers in the playoffs advancing to the World Series. Who is your pick? Oh... God, if if I'm being honest with you, I don't love either one of these teams from what I've seen them play. But historically speaking, it's not a year that has a one or an eight in it. Why do you say that? Because in 81, the Yankees lost the World Series to the Dodgers when they beat the Brewers. In 2018, the Dodgers lost to the Red Sox, who beat the Brewers. Um, so... Just kind of hedging my bets like that. The Texas Rangers are the favorite. I'm going to say I like the Diamondbacks. It just something's got to give here, and I don't. I don't foresee that being the case. Diamondbacks in how many? Diamondbacks. I'll say in. I think I'm going to say in seven, just because aside from these NLCS games, we really haven't had anything go the distance. So I'm going to think that that's throughout this is going to go. Um, I think, obviously, that the powers that be will not fix the games because I don't, you know, I don't think that occurs. But I think we're going to see as much trying to get seven games or like a very heated series as can be. Yeah, I think I think Rangers in six. The like I said, the Rangers as of right now, according to United Sportsbook, are on minus one eighty uh favorite. Diamondbacks would be plus one fifty five to win. Some of the favorites for the World Series MVP would be Dulles Garcia at plus 480. And Corbin Carroll at plus 820 uh, would be your respective leaders. Uh, Cattell Marte also plus 820. And Corey Seager plus 470. So a couple ways to look at that one. And if you did want to, so Sean, you said the Rangers you said in six? Yep. So if you were to go... For that series to occur that way, um, it'd be plus 390 if you want to go exact. And then if we were going with the Diamondbacks in seven, 
from my prediction, that would be a plus 600 bet. So there is a couple of different things. <coughs> Excuse me. There's a few different props you can bet on. Um, you can say what game will the series end, which if you think it's going to be a sweep for one team or another, you can put that at plus 575. Uh, the over-under on total games is five and a half. So that's kind of telling you Vegas thinks this will be done in five or six. Um and then you can even do it where it's the correct series score after three games or four games. So you could say, like, the Diamondbacks would be leading 3-1, or it could be 2-2, two two, you know, however you want to go about that. So plenty of things to look at if you're into that world. As always, please gamble responsibly. Um, we don't have a sponsor. I don't have to do any of the formal reads of talking about uh, the helpline and all that, but please do so responsibly. And shout, shout out to Dusty Baker for 26 years for managing. He, he was in Cincinnati for a long time, wasn't he? He was in Cincinnati. He was a Cubs manager. Oh, I forgot he was a Cubs manager, too. He was the Cubs manager back in that uh, early 2000s run where, of course, the infamous Bartman game in 03. Lupinella, right? I'm sorry, what was that? He was before Lupinella? Yes. Dusty Baker was the Cubs manager, uh, believe, I think from, I think 2003 actually was his first year in Chicago. Um, let me confirm that. Yes, 03 to 06, he was with the Cubs. From 08 to 13, he was with the Reds. 16 to 17, he was with the Nationals. And then from 2020 to 2023, he had been with the Astros, two-time All-Star as a player, two-time World Series champ once as, once as a player, once as a manager, was the NLCS MVP in 1977, Gold Glove Award winner, uh, three-time manager of the year, 1993, 1997, and 2000, all of those coming with the San Francisco Giants, where he was manager of the year. Um, to be determined if he's going to be this year, I don't believe he was a finalist, but... Doubt it. As a player, just while we're giving him all the accolades here, hit for 278 over the course of, looks like, 16 seasons or 18 seasons. Um, 278, 242 home runs, 1,013 RBIs. As a manager, 2,183 and 1,862, so 0.54 winning percentage as a Major League Baseball manager. So shout-out to Dusty Baker. Um as he steps away from the game for the time being. I believe he did say that this is a see you later. I'm sure we'll see him around in some capacity going forward here. Uh, the only other news of baseball interest is just that the Milwaukee Brewers did grant permission to the Mets and the Guardians to interview Craig Council as their potential next managers. Um as of right now, I don't think you have to read anything too far into that. I'm the only thing I'm reading into it. Is I think it's a little surprising that they chose to do so, because as of October 31st, I believe he's a free agent and could interview without having to ask permission. So um, I do want to credit the Milwaukee Brewers for not being petty in that. Right. I think that's a no-win situation. 
Uh, Craig Council is said to be rumored to be trying to reset the managerial market. Money-wise, looking for about $10 million. Whether or not um, Milwaukee or another team wants to give it to him, or whether or not he wants to continue managing, because that's been a big thing, is he may want to step aside and uh, watch his kids play college baseball as they both are of age to do so now. So really kind of looking to determine as to what the next steps for Craig Council are going to be. Did want to ask you, Sean, if he would step aside or would take another job, who would you be looking at as potential candidates for the Brewers? Whew. Sure. And you can't say yourself, because I, I know you're a good manager on, on the show, but... Right. Right. I, I have no idea who would even be... So I saw a couple names um, for conversation's sake here that I think would be kind of fun to mention. Uh, first and foremost, former Brewer player uh, has been coach, or I believe has been a two-time manager now. Played for the Brewers back in 08. Sean, do you know who I'm thinking? Tony Plush. I wait. No, he was 2011, but that'd be awesome. I would love, I would love to see T Plush the manager. <laughs> I don't think baseball is ready for that. Why not? Look at look at what Deion Sanders did for college football. He'd do that for for Major League Baseball. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I'm just saying I don't think baseball's ready for it. Why not? Still a lot of old heads. 2008. So that's Braun's first year. Second. Second year? Yep. So what were we like, Bill Hall? Uh, it is not Bill Hall. That would be a guy. Jason Kendall? Is not Jason Kendall? Think of, guys, think of a guy who has managed at the major league level already. That I don't know. Um, I believe most recently for the San Francisco Giants. Oh, Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler uh, is a name that I didn't even think about. I, you know, I completely forgot that he wasn't a manager currently. I forgot he was uh, a brewer. So that's. But uh, shout out to Dario Melendez putting that out there on Twitter as potentially the first call the Brewers should make if he were to step aside. Um, is he still with the Giants? No, that was just taken over by. Uh, oh, so he got fired at the end of the year. Um, I believe. So. So, or if not, he might have just resigned. Mm, but okay. um, because I, they just named uh, Frick's his name, Pablo Sandoval. No, the guy who was the manager of the Padres. Who's the manager of the Padres? Nope, got nothing. Uh, Doug Melvin. Melvin. Doug Melvin. No, that's former. Melvin Gordon. It's something Melvin. Well, I'll talk about that here in a second. But uh, Gabe Kapler, he did s- step away as the manager or was relieved of duties in 2023. He's a former manager of the year. And as a player, he's a 2004 World Series champion with the Boston Red Sox. He was on that team? I just learned that as well. <laughs> um, oh. But he is a potential candidate. Um Another candidate. The thing I remember Gabe Kapler for is Mark Burley's perfect game. He was the guy that hit the 
that Dwayne Wise caught the ball off of, that home run robbing catch. That's what I remember because we played so much. What is that? Oh, that MVP of Baseball 05? No. Or I'm going to be the show. I think it was like 09 or 2010. Sure. I don't know which one because it was always in the opening credits. Oh, that's right. I think it was 2010 because I think it happened in 09. Yeah, I think so. But you're right. I very much remember that um, that sequence. And I forgot that, that was him. I always yep. remember him as uh, when he played in Milwaukee. It was always talked about because he was you know, obviously he was older. But the dude was jacked. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, definitely always thought about that. But, okay, here's another name. Uh, this candidate was a finalist for the job in 2011 when the Brewers hired Ron Renneke. Former Mariner, think back to the 90s, currently serves as the infield and third base coach of the New York Mets, which would be the ultimate irony if Craig Council were to leave, that this guy would get his his shot. But think of a very historic call from, I believe, the, what was it, the 94 Mariners? So you're talking the Ken Griffey Jr., it's Robert. not Ken Griffey Jr., but yes. Of course not. But I can't remember who hit the ball. Not the hitter either. Then who is it? It is Joey Cora, who's been kind of named. Like I said, he was a finalist for this job uh, back in 2011. Joey Cora scored the winning run um, on that play. I believe uh, Edgar Martinez was the hitter. And scored the winning run to go to the American League Championship Series. Uh, if you ever listen to the song My Oh My by Macklemore, there's a clip of that, and it's My Oh My, the Mariners win. Uh, he was a 1997 All-Star World Series champion in 2005 with the Chicago White Sox coaching staff. Uh, so he's been around in the coaching world, and he is the brother of former manager Alex Cora. So, possible name. And then one other name I just want to mention, um, and I don't believe this will be the end selection, but if the Brewers wanted to stay in-house, there's two names I think you can look at, and I don't think... I think one's better than the other. Uh, The first option would be Rick Sweet, currently the manager of the AAA Nashville Sounds. Uh, Rick Sweet or Ricky Sweet, he also goes by. As a manager, he's been in the Brewers organization for a number of years now. Um, And with this young crop of Brewers players coming through, I wouldn't hate that as an option. He took over as a manager. He's been in the Brewers uh, farm system as a AAA manager since 2014. Um, And in 2022... He was the International League, which is the, the league that they play in, manager of the year with a 91-58 and 58 record last season. And was also chosen as the Mike Coolbaugh Award for uh, recognition and outstanding baseball work ethic, knowledge of the game, and skill in mentoring young players on the field. So that's one name to kind of keep your eyes on. I think that would actually be a really good get. Um, be really interesting because it's all of his experience has been at the minor league level as a manager 
Um, he has been a bullpen coach at the major league level, but has been spent the majority of his time with the um, minor league level. Also did start one of his first jobs in a minor league uh, team. Was in the Midwest League for the Class A Wausau Timbers in 1988. Nice. Uh, that Wausau Timbers team would eventually become the Kane County Cougars. I, I think that's going to be your best bet is that guy. Just from the way you're talking, I think, I think like you said, just bringing, bringing this guy up that's had some of these younger guys and manage them, I think that's going to be your guy that's going to come in and be just like Craig Council. And now, the other name I did want to mention and has minor league ma- managing experience and also has been on the major league staff the last two seasons, former Timber Allers manager Matt Erickson. Uh, for what it's worth, this would not be my pick because he's served as one of the assistant Brewers hitting coaches the last two years, which the Brewers haven't done consistently the last two years. But he is a guy that does have managing experience um, and would be worth a look. I think I, I think it, you know if he decides to move on, it is a guy that you kind of have to think about. He was a manager of the Timber Rattlers for 11 years, or for 10 years, from 2011 to 2021. He was the Brewers minor league manager uh, for the Timber Rattlers. And in that time... He also was a hitting coach from 08 to when he was uh, promoted in 2011. So he's been around the system for quite some time. Also former Brewer player and was part of the championship season that the Tim Brattlers won the league title in 2012. So he was at the helm of that as well. So possible option, not the one that I would make, but a name to consider. All right, so that is our look at the game of baseball. Um, just real quick here. I know that we don't really give a whole lot of look at this because it's <laughs> October, but the Milwaukee Bucks regular season action kicks off tonight. I've actually had that on instead of the NFL game, which I think this is the first time I've ever watched an October basketball game and actually kind of paid attention. Yep. That is the Damian Lillard effect. I was, so. I was disappointed a couple weeks ago. We went to the mall in Green Bay. Then we went to the... Shauna's having fast football issues. She just got home. Does she want to make a trade? Hold on, let me ask. She says for who? I don't know. He doesn't know. She said no. No, I said, oh. <laughs> I want... Give me a... No. He's not no. going to give you Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> give me... George Kittle then. She said give her George Kittle then. For who? For who? Gabe Davis. She said no. Gabe Davis. Um, not unless he just got a touchdown catch from Josh Allen. Did he just get a touchdown? She said yes. And he's on the bench. And he's on her bench. <laughs> That's funny. 
So, Shauna's fantasy football struggles continue. She's she's leading her division. So why is it a struggle? She thinks it's a struggle. I I wholeheartedly agree. I'm sitting here struggling at what three and four. Yeah, same. But here's the problem she has is that she's trying to compete against Tyson. It doesn't matter until the playoffs. Sean said it doesn't matter until the playoffs. Just make the playoffs. I, I want George Kittle. I'll give him Hawkinson. She said that she would for George Kittle. That's a terrible idea. Done. Done. No, on your end. Deal. 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 Going to send it right now. No, this is a terrible. Sean, do not accept this trade. Why? Because it's a terrible idea. Whatever he's about to send, because he said he's about to send something. Th- that's a terrible idea. Why? So, for our listeners, I don't know if you can hear Shauna in the background, but she is looking to trade TJ Hawkinson, who is one of the top fantasy tight ends this year, for George Kittle, who has very much underperformed throughout the whole entire season. Uh, George Kittle is ranked eighth in fantasy football tight ends, where TJ Hawkinson is ranked second. In fantasy football tight ends. <laughs> I'm back. I sent it. And Sean has sent a trade to Shauna as we speak. Which I don't know the nature of this trade, but I am going to give Shauna the advice here that she should not take it. She said no deal. She, I already told her deal. That's what she wanted. I gave her what she wanted. I don't know, man. I messaged him. She said she messaged you back. She said, oops, sorry. <laughs> All right, well, why don't we go through this here uh, in transition to fantasy football. I did not expect this episode to go this way. Even when she's not on, we get off the rails with you two. She didn't know Hawkinson was so good. I, I know. He's not Her Travis Kelsey. Not he's eighth, but he's not second. Okay. No. <laughs> no. I have Travis Kelsey. I want him. That's too bad. I, I'll give you Hawkinson. What does that do me any good? And Jamar Chase. No. There's no way that not. goes through. Because <laughs> Sean and all these other assholes would veto it right away. <laughs> yeah, but you're the commissioner. You can make it go through right away. I could do that. That is true. I, I wouldn't abuse my power that way. Yes, you would. All right. So going through our standings here, on the East Conference, uh, which is where Sean and I play, Tyson leads that one. He is 7-0. and I don't know what kind of deal he did with the fantasy football devil, but he has a deal with them. Not for this week. Sean is going to beat him. <laughs> You're not playing him. Yes, I am. Oh. That's why I'm trying to get the better players. Shauna is playing him, and Josh Allen has two touchdowns already. I know, and two Gabe Davis. That is. That <laughs> and sucks. Gabe's on my bench. He doesn't have any touchdowns. Oh. Who's got the touchdowns? That's why you got to give me Travis Kelsey and all your good players this week so I can actually beat Tyson, and then I'll give them back to you. No, you won't. Yes, I, I will. Trust. I don't trust you. <laughs> he said he doesn't trust you. If you guys could see the look on her, the face that she has right now, this is all sorts. Of, this is terrible podcasting. But... I am betrayed. I feel betrayed. Betrayed. <laughs> you should. You should. You should. 
So Tyson leads. He is facing Shauna this week. Uh, in second in the Eastern standings, we've got Ramsey at five and two. Then we have a four-way tie for third with Sean, myself, the Lambo Chef, and Team Dahl, who has bridled off three straight wins. Because you guys suck. On the flip side of the Western bracket, we have number one, Shauna. She's at five and two. Built Ford Tough, David Muller's at four and three, as is Team Tornator at four and three as well. Cup and TDs, Jordan Fightfield at three and four. And then Kittles and Bits and Chubbed Up. So Jordan Fields and Mark Fisher tied at one and six at the bottom of that league. <laughs> um, real quick, a quick retroactive no to Mark. Uh, for those of you who pay attention to our Facebook football ramblings here, we know that I have had some running back struggles throughout the season and was looking to make a deal. I reached out to my lovely little brother to see, hey, let's get a trade done, you know. And you know what this kid tells me? He says, I have a pretty good team. I, uh, you know, I, if I pay attention a little bit more, I'm going to make a run. <laughs> Still at one and six. Uh, just lost to Team Dahl, who's rattled off his third win. So uh, that run has not occurred yet. And I believe he had somebody on by in his starting lineup. So shout out to Mark in that capacity. Uh, matchups this week, as I mentioned, I am playing Mark this week. We've got Cup and TDs versus Ramsey. That's a pretty close game from projections-wise. Built for Tough, David Muller, or that's Team Torrentor, excuse me. Uh, where he, uh, no, that is David Muller, excuse me. Uh, facing off here against the Lambo Chef. Uh, Sean and Tyson, as we mentioned. And then Kittles and Bits versus Team Dahl. And, Sean, you were taking on Team Tarantar. Uh Looking pretty good for you here already. Yep, Chris Godwin's got a touchdown already, so that helps. So that is our matchups for the week. Uh, we will get to our picks a little bit later, but I can say here early on, it was not a good week for picks on the Rupert Wisconsin show. Uh Last week, Shauna set the standard. She went seven and six. Sean, you or uh, Trevor, who joined us last week, was six and seven. Sean, you went five and eight. I went four and nine in picks last week. Ooh, it was not a good week. I'm still leading. And, and one of your one of your right picks was the Bears. One of my right picks was the Bears. The other one was the Ravens taking down Detroit. I was very proud of both of those. So we'll get to picks a little bit later in the show. Trevor said he wanted redemption, so he has sent in picks again for this week. <laughs> and honestly, I think we're going to start getting guest pickers every week. So uh, pay attention to that as we go along as well. But Trevor will be our celebrity guest picker for the week. As he looks for... Carolyn can make a guest pick at one week, too. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, uh, as mentioned, the... Bucks are back in action. Um, not really much to talk about there as they begin their 82-game marathon toward the championship battle. But Bucks are up here in their first game. And then with that, we also have, looking around the state, we have Wisconsin Badger football. Uh, the Badgers completed a comeback win over Illinois last week. 
with Brayden Locke at the helm. It was on. He looked good. I thought he looked pretty good. I was very impressed. Um, kind of looking through the stats of that game. So the Badgers won 25-21. They were trailing at 1.7-21. But it would be a second-half outburst of offense where the Badgers scoring all really in the fourth quarter would start with um, a Nathan Vacos 41-yard field goal. With seven minutes twenty-one yard, twenty-seven minutes twenty-one seconds left in the game, uh, Will Pauling twenty-one or twenty-yard touchdown pass from Braden Locke. Uh, they went for two. It was a two-point conversion to Riley Nolkowski to make that good. And then with twenty-seven seconds left in regulation, Sean Braden Locke connected with defensive lineman Nolan Rucci in on a tackle eligible play to score the go-ahead touchdown, a little float pass. All in all, uh, Braden Locke was 21 of 41 on the game, 240 yards, two touchdowns. Braylon Allen, 29 carries, 149 yards, one touchdown. Uh, leading receiver was Will Pauling, seven catches for 95 yards on the score. 41 passes? 41 passes. And honestly, I mean, I don't want to speak ill of Mordecai now that he's injured, but... Braden Locke looks like a much more composed quarterback than what Tanner Mordecai did. Um, so the Badgers do get the win. They move on to 5-2 and two on the season. But, but um, does with that come kind of hedging the expectations because this Saturday night at Camp Randall... Big Brother comes to town. Are the Ohio State Buckeyes a 14.5-point favorite? Ohio State coming off of a huge win over Penn State 20-12 over the Nittany Lions. That was in Columbus. So, obviously, Buckeyes are the favorite. They are a national championship type of contender every year. Um, and very likely could be the Big Ten representative in a college football playoff, especially given everything that's been kind of going on with Michigan, which we'll talk about here in a couple moments. But, uh, Sean, taking a look at this game, how, in your book, how does Wisconsin complete the upset here? How do they shock the world and knock off the number three ranked Ohio State Buckeyes at home, much like they did? 13 years ago. I, I think it's got to be a low-scoring affair. That's how that's how it's got to be. Like, you just said that they Ohio State only put up 20 points this last weekend. I think that's got to be your number. Any Anything over that is, I think you're screwed. But I think the Badgers will be able to, hopefully would be able to put up 20 points. So, uh, worth mentioning here, just kind of looking at some of the stats for what the team has done. Um, Offensively speaking, Ohio State scored 33.7 points per game, 236 total points, 30 total touchdowns. Um, I mean, really, say a lot about this team as... First-round draft pick, Marvin Harrison Jr., Right, and that's that's where it starts. I mean, you look at let's look at this roster here. Um, 
They're led by quarterback Kyle McCord. He is a six foot three junior from Mount Laurel, New Jersey. In the season, he has 1,900 yards, 1,937 yards, 12 touchdowns, one interception. He's the fifth quarterback in the nation in uh, quarterback rating at 87 or QBR, not the passer rating. Um, really, not a whole lot on the ground for the Buckeyes. Leading rusher for them is Trayvon Henderson or Trevion Henderson, uh, five foot ten junior, uh, two hundred ninety five carry or two hundred ninety five yards and forty four carries, five touchdowns. Does average about six point seven per game or per carry, um, but a lot of the big plays for the Buckeyes do come through the air, as you had mentioned. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. forty two catches, seven hundred sixty six yards. He averages 18.2 yards per catch, has a long of 75 with six touchdowns in the season. Uh, they also do get tight end, <coughs> excuse me, Cade Stover involved. 27 catches, 429 yards, three touchdowns. He's averaging 15.9 yards per catch. Um, and that's just some uh, one other kind of, and only 27 catches, so pretty significant drop off from there where the Buckeyes go. And then Amika Agu. Oh, fuck. That's a name. <laughs> Amika Agbuka, a six foot one junior from Stylacum, Washington. Uh, 22 catches, 303 yards, three touchdowns, 13.8 yards per catch. Um, and then they do have one other receiver kind of worth mentioning here Carnell Tate, a six foot two freshman. 11 catches, 183 yards, one touchdown, averages 16.6. So, obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr., far and away the best receiver in college football right now, uh, both statistically and just kind of every metric you can think of, uh, will likely be a top-five draft pick in this year's draft. To Green Bay. God, that'd be great. We'll talk about that a little bit, but... Um, but yeah, that's that's the Buckeyes. I mean, they're a very talented team. I mean, again, very much in national championship contender, college football playoff contender, um, and may get the West by or the East division by default, depending on what happens with uh, the Michigan situation. So as of right now, Sean, let's pick this quick. We'll move on to the Michigan situation and kind of look around college football as a whole. But 14 and a half points at home at Camp Randall Saturday night. Can the Badgers cover? Can the Badgers shock the world and upset no. the Buckeyes on a Saturday night at Camp Randall once again? No. There's no way. I'm going to agree with you. If I'm putting money on this game, I'm also agreeing. Um, Trevor said it last week where this kind of seems like that one game that might trip Ohio State up this season um, you know, it usually comes on the road you, know, you kind of look back to the Purdue game a couple years back you look back at one of their Iowa losses this kind of has the makings of that I mean their remaining schedule after this they have Rutgers on the road they have Michigan State at home, Minnesota at home, and then the two versus three. Final week of the season would be Michigan versus Ohio State, but I wouldn't count on it. I do agree with you if the Buck or the Badgers are going to pull off this upset, 
It's going to take first a Herculean effort defensively uh, mm-hmm. to stop Marvin Harrison Jr. And I'm not sure if Wisconsin has the defensive backs to do that right now. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I will say, if it is going to happen, you're almost going to have to go two on one, which isn't a great idea because of just how talented and fast they are at every other position. Right. But I wouldn't hate seeing Hunter Wooler on him, kind of playing shade towards him, uh, the Badger standout safety. So if it's going to happen, that's kind of the route that it would have to go, but I would not be counting on it. Um, and again, for my sake, for a pick, and if I was betting on the game, I would take the Buckeyes to cover that 14 and a half. Mm-hmm. With that, Sean, we move on to, within the Big Ten, uh, the scandal that's kind of taken over college football right now, and that being the scouting situation, scouting violations of Michigan Wolverines. I kind of wanted to ask you, I'll paint the picture here, what's alleged, and I want to ask you your thoughts on on this as well. Um, The allegations are that Michigan was hiring a scout to go to games of opponents and potential college football opponents and basically record what their defensive signals are and kind of what, you know, the plans of being from there and kind of get a head start on the opponents and really know their whole scheme. Um, Very similar to what the Patriots got caught for in Bounty Gate a number of years ago. So... With that in mind, I kind of wanted to ask you your thoughts on this, first of all. Because some people in college football, I mean, if you if you ask the right people, they think this is like a murder. Right. Which, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think is, I mean, I think it's a it's a ethical thing, but I don't think it's that big of a deal, personally. Because I don't see how it's much different than what a lot of scouts what- do. Right. What's the difference if you send your like South because South Carolina was one of the game one of the teams, right? Mm-hmm. That for beat Clemson and Tennessee, right? I believe so. But so what? What would what would have been the difference if South Carolina sent their scouts to one of those games? And I guess what would be the difference if it was their scouts instead of Michigan scouts. Yeah, I don't think it, I mean, by the rules, the rule is you can't do it for in-season opponents. Which is odd because the rule basically says you can do it for other opponents. Like, so if like Wisconsin, if Wisconsin, they're not playing Notre Dame this year, but they play them in like a year, I think next year they play Alabama. So in theory, they could do it for that team, but they couldn't do it for Ohio State or for Minnesota. Um, so it is a weird rule, I think. And also, I just don't think it's that big of a deal, to be honest with you. I don't think so either. Um, I'm sure there are people who think that it is. And again, ethically speaking, I get why it is a rule, but I also don't think. And what's what's the difference of just watching film, too? Well, right. And I think, I mean, I think, you know, film doesn't sh- necessarily show 
though you know the player like you know how like some schools have like the cards or they have the hand signals whatever they don't show that on film but i mean if you watch a tv broadcast you can see it on some plays so it's not like this is like a foreign language you know it's not like you're really do you know you're really doing that much different i think i mean you can probably see enough of it on a tv broadcast if you ask me right exactly. you don't have every play but you have a considerable amount so that is kind of the the scandal and it's continued to be michigan because they did have jim harbaugh suspended for the uh, recruiting violations, something with COVID. I don't. I still really don't know what happened with that. To be honest with you, I I really didn't care either. But um, so that is kind of the situation. So once again, uh, Michigan in the spotlight for the wrong reasons with college football. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has obviously denied knowing about this. Said it was kind of an outside staffer. But in terms of a rule break, I don't think it matters who it was if you knew what was going on. Right. You know what I mean? Or if it was being used, I should say. I again, I don't. And, think and what what what's really? How can they really prove it? I mean, unless the person says straight up, like, "Yeah, I was doing this for this reason," but right. I mean, it's just allegations at the moment. I don't know. It's to me, it's not that big of a deal, like you said. All right, looking at the rest of the Big Ten this week, we have Indiana, Penn State. Uh, Maryland, Northwestern, Michigan State, uh, Minnesota, Purdue, Nebraska. Um, and then also, just kind of as we usually do, we do look at the future Big Ten and the number one team. Uh, number one team does continue to be Georgia. It looks like they are not in action this week. Or, yes, they are, excuse me. Um, they are playing Florida this week on the road. They're a 14 half point favorite there. Uh, some other games of note, just again, like I said, those future Big Ten opponents. Uh, Oregon travels to Utah. Oregon's a six-and-a-half-point favorite there. Uh, USC, fresh off a second loss in the season. Uh, that one to Utah. Uh, to- travels to play California. USC's a ten-and-a-half-point favorite. Washington travels to Stanford. They're 28-point favorites there. And UCLA gets to face Coach Primetime Deion Sanders. At home, uh, where UCLA is a 16.5-point favorite. So that is your future Big Ten look as well. Which, Sean, that does lead us to the Green Bay Packers. And the Green Bay Packers, once again, falling to the Denver Broncos. Uh, They lose 19-17 in mile high. Finally coming home after a month straight of being on the road and slash with bye weeks and whatnot. Um, so it's been a long month. So finally back at Lambeau for a game this week, hosting the Vikings. Before we move on to what's coming this week, let's take a look back at the loss to Denver. Um, statistically speaking on the game, Jordan Love uh, finished this game with 21 of 31. 180 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, leading rusher for the Packers was A.J. Dillon, 15 carries, 61 yards. A.J. Dillon was also the leading receiver, two catches <laughs> for 34 yards. Uh, as for the Broncos, they were led Russell Wilson, who threw... What did he have here? One sec. Uh, 
Russell Wilson, 2029, 194 yards, one touchdown interceptions. Uh, Javante Williams was 15 carries, 82 yards. And then Cortland Sutton, six catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Um, so, that, yeah, that's really the gist of the game. Only the one touchdown scored by the Broncos, yet they still do come ahead here and come out victorious over the Packers. Yeah, one touchdown scored. Rest field goals. So I've gone back and forth on this one a lot, Sean, of, of what I think in this game. Um, as you know, and social media probably knows, I've been very anti-Jordan Love this week. I've been increasingly more anti-front office this week as the week has gone along. Um, to the point where yesterday I saw a tweet saying that on a different show that there was a listener question posing the theory. Now, obviously, no one would ever admit this, but posing the theory that Mark Murphy, just as much of a, you know, to the vest kind of guy as he is and not wanting to ever allow any sort of recording at practice, because if you ever go to a pack of practice, you can't have your phone out. Like, so you can only take pictures, you can't take video. Um, every once in a while, something does leak from that, from a practice, but really not supposed to be using video, um, but said that they would possibly consider, Mark Murphy would possibly consider firing Matt LaFleur so that the Packers would not have to be on hard knocks next season because they'd have a new head coach. And if it came down to it, I'm going to be the first to admit that First of all, this isn't going to happen. I don't think Matt LaFleur is getting fired this offseason anyway. Barring like a catastrophic, like if they lose out and go three or two and 15 or whatever, maybe. But I still don't think that ends up happening. I think you kind of give it the whole year. But you can't, I don't think anybody can honestly tell me that at one point or another that doesn't, that thought won't cross Mark Murphy's mind. Not that he'll act on it. Right. But if it doesn't cross his mind like once, like, oh, you know, I gotta make this decision. No hard knocks for us. And he gets to retire. He has a mandatory retirement after next season. Oh, he does. Yeah. So after the draft, because I, I remember this from the shareholders meeting, but also this has been a thing on social media. After the draft in Green Bay in the spring of 2025, he has to retire. Hmm. So he could go his whole tenure without having the Packers be on hard knocks. Only one foreign trip in a regular season. Finally going to London, being the last team to do that. And really... Again, you know, I've kind of been thinking about this too, is... I honestly think that the legacy of Mark Murphy... Great business mind. Great for the city of Green Bay. Great for... Making the Packer, you know, making Green Bay a destination for football fans all year long. Because um, if you look at what Bob Harlan and him were kind of starting to kind of get the balls ball rolling with the stadium renovations, it really started in the early 2000s, capped off with, I think, 2003 was when that was mostly done, that the facade around and the brick that was the Lambeau Atrium. And now we've seen several um, additions onto that yet for increasing seating. We've seen the Titletown District boom up 
Um, and then, of course, capped off with being able to host the NFL draft in 2025. Great business mind. And I think for the majority of his time as the team president, which I believe he took over in, I want to say, 2004, 2005, um, hasn't had to be like the football X's and O's guys, because that's kind of run itself. And I think from that standpoint, I mean, some could argue, you know, some would argue that he's been putting people in position to do well. Uh, he took over as the Packers president in 07. So he was actually the Northwestern athletic director from 03 to 07. But in 2007, he took over as president and CEO of the Green Bay Packers. And in that time frame, the team has won a Super Bowl uh, back in the 2010-2011 season. Um, so really, I mean, in that capacity, I think it's been an interesting ride. I don't think his... Football brain has mattered as much, but at the same time, I don't think it's had to. Sean has just gotten another trade to Shauna. Um, Shauna is saying absolutely not. Why not? She just laughed. She didn't even deny it. She just set it down and continued to go about her night. Okay. It was worth a shot. <clears throat> so... With that, like I said, it's just, I wouldn't even completely doubt it. You know, I'm just, I'm going to go on record saying it's not going to happen. You really think they would even do hard knocks to begin with? The NFL, if no one volunteers, depending on different criteria, if you weren't a playoff team, the NFL can force a team to do it. And like it or not, with the international appeal of the Packers, um, I feel like would be a very much a candidate to to be on that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think never, I never get the appeal of hard knocks. So. I love hard knocks. I'm gonna say on on record, I love hard knocks. I don't necessarily love the in season version. I like the training camp aspect. The in season one, I could take or leave, but the the preseason one and the training camp, I think, is one of the most interesting, like kind of behind the scenes things that. Every year you get something a little bit different, but in a way also a lot of the same too. Like you get a different look at how organizations do things. You get a look at like the history of these teams and how, you know, the different players, you get to spotlight different players um, and make, you know, kind of see what their story is that you don't, that the the average fan may not know. Um, so, you'd, so you'd have AJ Dillon playing Farming Simulator? a possibility you'd be probably an intriguing guy i mean you'd, t- you'd probably we're being you know honest and if he would be on the team next year which he is a free agent after the season you'd probably get him doing door county stuff and going up to door county and probably get a film crew up to door county with him which would be like an incredibly interesting part of the show i'm not Again, saying that that's a reason we're subscribing or that a reason the NFL is going to throw this on Green Bay. But it would be something, again, that I think would be a very interesting thing. But really, it's a lot of the guys that you don't really know much about. You know, actually, a player I learned a lot about yesterday on in my radio gig with um, for the Devondre Campbell show was Jonathan Owens. And obviously, everybody knows he's married to Simone Biles. 
But uh, Jonathan Owens is talking about his story about being a JUCO guy in a, a smaller college and playing all four years there and being undrafted in the NFL. And before he was even in college football, his senior year, he tore his ACL and playing basketball. Didn't know it till track season. But a full basketball season, didn't know it until track when he was doing the long jump. And then just swole up. Hmm. Um, which I think he said he won the event. And then kind of blew up from there. So his whole freshman year, he wasn't even playing. Uh, was undrafted, been on practice squads and a number of other things. And had been cut a few different times from different teams. So you get a real interesting look at guys and kind of finding out their story, not just the X's and O's and the superstars. But I think there'd be a lot of people who want to see, and I think the NFL would love to showcase Green Bay um, being the oldest franchise and one of the most historic franchises, most championships. And I think that it'd be perfect because the draft would be in Green Bay all the setup for the draft, all that, all that kind of stuff. Right. So, and you'd really, again, depending on which way the Packers would go with things, you'd have kind of the crossroads. What's the next quarterback going to be? Here's 30 years of great quarterback play. Is it going to be year two of Jordan Love? Is it going to be a rookie? You know, is it going to be Sean Clifford? You know, who is going to be that, you know, that guy helming this historic offense next season? We'll, we'll take Justin Fields. I'd be so pissed. <laughs> I'm just going to say, it, I'd be so pissed. Um, but yeah, so that's just kind of where, like I said, I think it'd be really intriguing. Um, but kind of going back to Sunday. So Sunday, uh, Packers do lose. That's at 1917. Um, once again, shut out in the first half. And not scoring until a Anders Carlson... 29-yard field goal in the third quarter, which, by the way, got to say to yep, Trevor, you're jinx. You're jinx. Trevor the Jinx. Oh, Eric the Jinx. I didn't say it. Trevor did. You agreed with it. I did not. I said that he can't say that on our programming. Yep. It's all because you were there. Um, but I want to ask you, Sean. So we've had some heated text conversations about this since Sunday. This week really turned me off on Jordan Love as the potential guy for this team going forward. Um, obviously, you're you're going to play him the rest of the season, and there's still 11 games for him to turn it around. But no first-half points. The two touchdowns he did throw, I mean, the touchdown to Romeo Dobbs was behind the receiver. It was an excellent play by the DB to kind of get back in position. But threw to the wrong spot. Probably should have been an interception by rule, even though Gene Steratore is kind of an idiot. But under his explanation, should have been ruled an interception. Yeah, um, but sec- did you see he came out later in the later in the week and said that he was completely wrong? I did not see that. Uh, yeah, so noogie, noogie to Gene Steratore. Because that was just he was just stupid when he said that. I yeah I I don't agree, disagree with you. Like I said, the whole his whole logic of it was, well, his feet touched first, so if he has possession, which is so stupid. But right. um, the other touchdown was Jaden Reed off a deflection, off Romeo Dobbs' hands, and 
I believe that was a fourth down play too. So it was just kind of mm-hmm. held your breath the entire time, Has and then ends up. Notice that a lot of the time the receiver, there's two or three receivers in the same spot for a lot of plays. Yes, and that's exactly what I was going to mention next. Um, because, like I said, as you know, when I woke up Monday morning, I've been all sorts of pissed off this week. I've been thinking that, you know, if the Packers are in a position because at the season end right now, Packers would hold the number seven pick in this year's draft. Which, in theory, not saying that they're going to do this because they probably won't, but would in theory be in a position to take one of these top three or four quarterbacks in this year's draft. Obviously, you're probably out on Caleb Williams, but you'd possibly be looking at a Drake May, uh, depending on different evaluations of who you think of, like a Quinn Ewers or Michael Penix Jr. uh, would be kind of guys to kind of throw around that conversation. Um, So it'd be something to look at. I'm not saying they do it, but it'd be something to look at. See, I don't agree with you. I, th- I think you just got to let it ride. Well, and I'll get to that here in a sec. Um, I'm why I'm very adamant about that possibility. Because, because it's not... It's Rodgers. No, 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 no. That's exactly what it is. He hasn't done anything different than what Aaron Rodgers did to start his career. So... Debatable, but... Hear me out here. Um... As the week went along, I did see Kurt Bankert actually did put out a series of, like, the All-22 cam and kind of showing, like, the play schemes and how it should be drawn versus how it was executed. And believe it or not, Sean, not having experienced receivers, big freaking deal. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, and I, it's something I, you know, I will say I have noticed. Um, it was most notable on a play where... Love threw to the sideline and ended up being like a throwaway. But you had Jaden Reed and Christian Watson staying in the same spot. That has happened numerous times. Probably most noticeable this last week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do take back some of my criticism on Love. But that kind of goes to my point, what we were talking about last week with Trevor, and what's really been kind of looking at this team as a whole is this on front office for not having the proper guys in is it you know because you can look at a guy you know you know who'd be a great fit on this team right now is Jarvis Landry because you said it for how many weeks before the season even started yeah well I was saying the same shit about Dame Lillard and he's Milwaukee Buck now so once in a while the brain knows Talk it into existence, Eric. Exactly. I'm a big, you know this, Sean. I'm a big person that talks stuff into existence, make it manifest. Yeah, it didn't work for me last Friday, so. Well, I had a pretty good day, so. <laughs> Did you, you just didn't believe hard enough, Sean. I was trying. You didn't do the work on your side. Right. But, so I will say, I don't know if this is a front office issue, if this is. Matt LaFleur not knowing how to put a game plan around somebody who's not Aaron Rodgers. Because there was another analyst who said this week that the Packers don't necessarily miss Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. They miss him Monday through Saturday. With the knowledge that he brings and that experience. But at the same time, I'm sitting here looking at 
every other NFL head coach, and it's not like this isn't Matt Lafleur's first year doing it. This is year four for as a head coach. Um, with Green, no, year five as a head coach with Green Bay. Jesus, time flies. Um, but fifth year head coach, and he's been an offensive coordinator before. He's been a quarterbacks coach, working directly with the quarterback. So I really can't fathom the Packers having a guy, and if that's the case, I mean, by all means, like we gotta look at that as a conversation. But I can't wrap my mind around a guy making to an NFL head coach doesn't know how to make a game plan because you can make. I mean, and I know it's a night and day different game, but is it all that drastically different in in concept of doing it at the high school level? No, you watch film. You know, you you have you still have seven days. You get your film on Saturday instead of Sunday or Monday. And you start breaking down film of the other team. You look at what your team does great. You look at what theirs doesn't. You look at what theirs does really well and how you can stop that. Right. Like, this isn't this isn't rocket science. We're not reinventing the wheel here. This is basic middle school level football concept. I mean, I know... Like I said, it's a, it's a night and day different game. It's faster. It's more, you know, the business and all that stuff. But shit, I remember watching film in middle school football. Like this isn't this isn't a drastic concept that we're talking about, right? So I, I I'm not a hundred percent sold that that's the case either. I I I think like like you're you're talking here. I think it's it's. The team you put around Jordan Love, because we talked about it last week, you put him in situations where he can figure everything out and do what he's supposed to do, he does completely fine. And all these situations that are unpredictable that he's having issues with. So I will say, and I think the stats kind of back this up, because one thing that's been kind of bothering me this season has been, A, the first half execution, where there's been, I think the Packers have only scored in the first half offensively. They've scored six points since week two against Atlanta. And those have been two field goals, one against uh, Detroit and then one against... Um, How about anything against the Saints? They had the three against Detroit. Vegas? It had to have been. But, so with all that in mind, I mean, you're just, you're not scoring in the first half, which is when you're supposed to have your scripted drives. And it's really making me wonder, because I think something that came out on Sunday was that Jordan Love, like, told Matt LaFleur to open up the playbook because I don't know if he was being too conservative or what the deal was. Because I think there is an element where there's things that Love's not comfortable with, whether it be, you know, if he's saying it out loud or not. But one stat that's kind of telling on this theory is that in the game against Denver, Jordan Love was 0 for 3 with an interception on a throw of 20 or more air yards. And on the season, he is 6 of 27 with no touchdown three interceptions. So, we've seen the arm talent kind of be 
rearing ahead of an issue, which is a little surprising. I don't know if it's just not reading things correctly or because the arm strength is there. It's not like he's under throwing balls, mm-hmm. but it's just the read and the anticipation of where to throw has really kind of been the issue. Um, I got to give Sean a shout out here because in the Monday night game against Vegas, they had Eli and Peyton on on the main broadcast before they did their Manning cast. And Eli Manning was talking about Jordan Love and said, yeah, you know, I like Jordan Love. He's not afraid to throw the deep ball. And Shauna goes, yeah, well, he's not good at it. Which statistically is the case this season. Um, so that, like I said, that really makes me wonder, is it Matt LaFleur doesn't want to operate the full playbook like he was comfortable doing with Aaron? Is it that Jordan Love has kind of said that he's not comfortable with the full playbook? You know, what's where are we getting lost in translation with the playbook and what the offense is doing? You got to get back to running the football and then go from there. That's I think that's the biggest thing that's got to be got to be going on right now because you we we have no run game. So everybody's just banking on this pass this passing offense and just sitting back and it's just been, the line can't hold up to the pass protection and it's just it's just issues. So with that, I mean, yeah, the the run game has disappeared. It is hard though. It's kind of a double-edged sword because you're going into halftime so many games now where you're down two scores. Right, because they've given up they've given up on the run game so early. Right. It, it, it's a true catch-22. Are they giving up on the run game because it's not working and they're down? Or are they getting down because they're not using the run game? You know what I mean? Like, And, and us through... And Jordan Love throwing passes behind the line of scrimmage one, two yards over the line of scrimmage. That's It's just not how it's going to be working here. Well, and that's exactly it. I think that just continues to mind-boggle me. And I don't know if it's guys not running the right routes, which has been an issue since Devontae Adams has been gone. We saw that how many times last year? And I think, again, that you kind of talk about, or I talk about, um, that's that missing Aaron Rodgers Monday through Saturday because he was such a hard. He was such a hard-ass on these receivers that they weren't playing if they didn't know the route tree. Right. I, and, would, I, would, I wouldn't say it's totally missing Aaron Rodgers. It's just missing that veteran. Sure. Either in the quarterback room in the wide receiver room, even 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 in that whole offensive room. No, the whole offense. I mean, what do you what do you have? You have Bakhtiari, but he's not even he's done. So you have Aaron Jones, that's really about it. And he's right. what, year six, year seven? Yeah. But he's also been with rehab groups for most of the season. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, I I wholeheartedly agree. I think that's a big part of it too, is just that you've had so many young guys and so much turnover where, I mean, looking back at last season, like Sammy Watkins was just another example of a guy not running the correct routes and ultimately would get waived by Green Bay halfway through the season and never mattered. But when you, and I don't know if this is, again, if this is on the coaching staff or, you know, like you said, this is just also a victim of not having veteran presence but you don't really have anybody holding these guys accountable. 
because aside from Aaron Jones, your most experienced player has been in the league for three years. That's A.J. Dillon and right. Jordan Love. And your most experienced pass catcher right now by games played is Romeo Dobbs, who's a second-year guy. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would agree with you. I think that's a big issue. Um, we look ahead to the Minnesota game. I mean, Minnesota, luckily for the Packers' sake, is not at full strength. Um, they are without Justin Jefferson as he's on IR. Uh, Jordan Ederson did have a good game, kind of a coming out party in the upset win against San Francisco. Um, the run game has struggled for Minnesota uh, on Monday night. Alexander Madison eight carries, thirty nine yards. Uh, Jordan Addison did have Jordan Addison did have seven catches for one hundred twenty three yards, two touchdowns. So. Kirk Cousins had a rare primetime good game. It was 35 of 45, 378 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. So how's, how's that Alexander Madison fantasy football pick? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Probably going to go great this week, Sean. <laughs> yeah. No, no, your luck, he'll struggle again. Oh, I know. I know, Sean. I know. But he'll pass for 400 yards and he'll have... 25 yards on the ground. Probably. Um, so, yeah, I mean, really, the Vikings actually have moved today. Uh, this game opened today because I got Trevor's picks this morning. This game was even money today or even pick. It has now shifted two points to the Vikings or point and a half. Vikings are minus one and a half, uh, which we'll do our picks here in a little bit. But uh, Packers injury-wise, um, I believe – Team was mostly a full go today for practice. Um, Luke Musgrave, I believe, was limited in without the walking boot today. So interesting to see if he ends up playing. Uh, the biggest injury news came last night on the Devondre Campbell show, where Devondre Campbell says he believes that he is considered, he would be considered probable if that was still a designation. Um, two dis- did not participate today. It was Preston Smith who was out with an illness, but would not be necessarily in danger of not playing. Um, she three. I, I didn't see that one. It wasn't in bold. Um, Luke Musgrave did not participate, but he was out of the walking boot, so kind of trending towards potential playing. And then Jair Alexander was a limited participant yesterday, did not participate today, which isn't, I guess, end of the world in my book. I think, you know, with a soft tissue injury, with the back injury, one day on, one day off, he practices tomorrow, then he'll have Saturday as that other day off to kind of recover. Um, would love to see him play, especially kind of without Justin Jefferson to really limit uh, Jordan Edison. Uh, Devondre Campbell being a participant is big news, especially with number two fantasy tight end T.J. Hawkinson. If you have him and Quay Walker around, I think that's a good combination for the Packers. Um. So that that's kind of my kind of initial takeaways here, and injury wise. But Quay Walker did return to practice today. I don't know if that's last week. My bad. Um, 
I don't see if he was a designation. I don't, he hasn't been put on the IR. It doesn't look like he's on the injury report. So, hmm. okay. I guess that's good news. Right. I'll take it. Right, exactly. So, uh, Bucks game just went final, by the way. The Bucks opened the season 1 0 with a 118 117 win over the 76ers, thanks in large part to Damian Lillard's 39 points, 8 boards, 4 assists. Would Giannis have? Um, Giannis. It's a good question. Giannis had in the win. He was twenty-three points, thirteen boards, three assists. Um. Also scoring Chris Middleton. Only six points for Chris Middleton. Two of five shooting. Only played 16 minutes. So I think they're still kind of working him back in. Uh, Brooke Lopez, 13 points on 29 minutes. Two rebounds, four, uh, four fouls, no assist. Uh, Malik Beasley got the other start at the other guard. He was five points, two for four from the floor. Four boards, three assists. Uh, Jay Crowder, nine points. Uh, three or four shooting, four rebounds. Bobby Porter's 10 points, five of eight shooting, six rebounds. Uh, Marshawn Beauchamp, four points. Cameron Payne, two points. And Pat Conson with seven. Running out your scoring. But 39 points from Dame Lillard. Welcome to Milwaukee. 9 and 20 shooting. Uh, that's pretty fun. 17 of 17 from the free throw line. Hmm. <laughs> So we'll take that all day long. But Bucks do win their first game in the Damian Lillard era. And Giannis on record saying he did sign that contract extension earlier this week. Uh, said it's Dame's team. Mm-hmm. So he's just there. He said he did, he just wanted to be in Milwaukee. He, didn't, he said this is the first time in his life he signed a contract not knowing the numbers because he just <laughs> wanted to be in Milwaukee. Um Business-wise, the contract he did sign does actually allow him to sign a sh- another short-term extension 2026 20, if he wants to continue being here. And then in 2028, would be able to sign a long extension uh, with another Supermax. So really, I think kind of the if you're reading between the lines on that, the indication is that Milwaukee or, Dan, or Giannis wants to be here long-term. And... John Horst and the GM and the front office staff of the Bucks kind of showed him the best way to make as much money as possible over that 10-year span. So so the Pack- Packers front office has to learn from the Bucks front office. Got it. You know, that's not a terrible take. Um, well, the Bucks have not had a draft pick, because this is one other thing I want to try to talk about draft-wise. So... We all talk about the 2018 draft, 2019 draft of how bad they were. And it was like Ted Thompson's first draft, last draft versus Gutekind's first draft. It came to light how bad the 2021 draft really was for the Packers. And I saw this the other day. So the Packers 2021 draft class, I believe only has one player still on the roster. From that draft class. Or two. No, 2021 was 
Eric Stokes, who just came back and was immediately back on the IR. Come on, really? Yeah. Uh, Josh Myers, who has been inconsistent at best. Oh, this is what I want to... Did Zach Tom look better at center than Josh Myers for the for that half a drive or drive? Do you want my opinion or do you want what no. the Packers staff has give, said? Give me your opinion. I thought so. I thought that I thought that offensive line looked way better. But Adam Senovich disagrees. Uh, in practice today, he said that Josh Myers is playing the best that he has in his career, and he's definitely one of the top five guys. No. Um, Josh Nijman looked looked really good. I don't know what Josh Nijman did to this coaching staff. Right. Because he went from being David Bakhtiari's replacement to being Rasheed Walker's bitch. Right. And I don't understand that. And that Rasheed Walker's horrible. Not he as horrible as the rest of this draft class, Sean. So 2021, as I said, Eric Stokes has played a half of football this year. Josh Myers has not been good. Amari Rogers already cut. He was cut last year. Royce Newman probably should be cut if he hasn't been already. To Daryl Slayton, I don't think he's on the or TJ Slayton, he's on the team. He's pretty good. I like him. Shamar Jean Charles, not on the team. Cole Van Lannan, not on the team. Isaiah McDuffie, great special teams guy. And Kylan Hill, running back Mississippi State, not on the team. Right. Packers twenty twenty draft. Another one that is going to be very highly um scrutinized, I think, going forward. So, obviously, the Jordan Love pick is to be determined. A.J. Dillon, very controversial at this point. Josiah DeGuara, been okay. Hasn't been great. Yeah, but you you don't take a fullback in the third round. Right. Uh, Kamal Martin, not on the team. John Runyon Jr. has been probably the best player in this draft class as of today. Jake Hansen, not really on the team anymore. I believe he's in both here, so I think he's still on the roster, but not really in play. Simon Stepaniak, I believe he retired not too long ago. Uh, Vernon Scott, not on the team. Jonathan Garvin, not on the team. So, I mean, really, the last handful of years here, the Packers have not hit on draft picks at a consistent range um 2019 probably is one of their better draft classes and that being Rashawn Gary who was a very controversial pick at the time uh Darnell Savage who also on IR now but has been playing better this season Elton Jenkins has been a solid pro um Jay Sternberger not on the team. Kings of Kiki not on the team. Kadar Holman, I believe, is not on the team. Dexter Williams, I don't even think is really in the league anymore. And Ty Summers, I don't believe he's on the team anymore. It's the Saints. But 2019, not a great draft class. I mean, probably the best of the recent years. But, and that's just basically Rashawn Gary and Elton Jenkins. You take the rest of that class and whatever. Uh, 20, 2018, just going back uh, one more year here, 
Jerry Alexander is the only player still on this team yet. Can you, I'm going to ask you if you can name anybody else the Packers drafted 2018. Oh, wasn't that the Kevin King year, too? Nope, that was 2017, because Jair, Jair was a first-round pick. Uh, Kevin King was the... They had a tra- chance to draft uh, T.J. Watt and then trade down to the second round. Yep. I remember sit, sitting somewhere watching watching the draft and thinking they were going to take T.J. Watt, and they didn't. Or even Miles Jack. I was thinking Miles Jack. So the rest of the 2018 class, Josh Jackson... Oh, yep, Iowa. Oren Burks. Jamon Moore, who is terrible. Cole Madison. J.K. Scott, the punter, fifth-round punter. He's still in the league, though. True. Uh, MVS, Equinemius St. Brown, James Looney, Hunter Bradley, and Kendall Donerson. Isn't Hunter Bradley a long snapper? He was. Also not on the team anymore. I think he's like three long snappers ago, actually. So in the case of five years, we said, what, four guys who are still on the team? Right. Or a few more than that. There's been a few yep. more. But 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 there's still, there's maybe 10 total? Yeah. Even 2022, I'm struggling to think of who was even in that draft class. You had the two up front, so Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Christian Watson, um, Dobbs, uh, Sean Ryan, Zach Tom, Kingsley and Ibari, Tariq Carpenter, Jonathan Ford, Rashid Walker, Samari Torrey. So, again, not a great draft. I mean, that's a pretty solid draft class of the ones that we've listed. Mm-hmm. But that's also last year's draft class. Right. So, yeah, that's where we're at. Hmm. Um, one other thing I want to touch on draft-wise, just because I teased it earlier, and I know um, this is probably going to be a controversial take. I do want to correct. I think the Packers should not draft a quarterback if they're not getting a new head coach. Right. The thing that should go hand-in-hand. However, if you determine this season in the 11 games that are left and you're in a position where you're looking at that as a possible option to draft a quarterback, one of those top three guys. Really, for conversation's sake, let's say one of the top two. It probably won't be Caleb Williams, but let's just say you're in a position to have that as a conversation. If Jordan Love isn't the guy, because I think for him to be the guy, if we're looking at the trajectory of you know careers, if you're kind of looking at the Aaron Rodgers situation, Aaron Rodgers was a Pro Bowl his second year, led the team to the playoffs, got hosed in that opening round against Arizona, went on to win a Super Bowl the following season. If you don't believe that Jordan Love can be that guy to take the team to the playoffs as early as next season, I think you have to consider moving on for the sheer reason that, yes, Love is under contract next season. I don't think you get rid of him, like, outright. But I think truly from a financial standpoint, what's working around the league and really what's 
you know, kind of saying without saying what's working best in San Francisco right now is that they are not paying their quarterback exorbitant amount of money and they are play- they're paying everybody else to be great and paying the quarterback to be good enough. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to pay, if you're going to have a quarterback that's just good enough, a game manager, which is nothing, you know, that's the way you want to go by all means is what it is. I'm okay with that, but you need to be able to have money spent elsewhere. Look at the, again, the 49ers, which is what the system supposed to be based on. It's the Shanahan offense. You're paying Brock Purdy pennies. You're paying Sam Darnold minimal to be a backup so that you can go get Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, um, a number of guys defensively, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. You're paying all these other guys to not to, to not play quarterback, basically. You know, you look at, I think Patrick Mahomes last year was the first quarterback in the last, like, 10 years that was that won a Super Bowl with being over, I think, like, 15% of the team's salary cap. Mm-hmm. That's not a coincidence. No. And, like, to Tom Brady's credit and, and to Aaron Rodgers' discredit, guys who don't take that, you know, very, very team-friendly deal to do that, they don't win Super Bowls, generally speaking, historically speaking. Um, I will say Aaron Rodgers' cap hit was always less than what the contract was, and it was as team-friendly as possible and how the cap was always going up until 2020 hit when COVID happened, and then the teams had to kind of do a mass exodus and really figure the fuck out what they were going to do. But the reality of the situation on the flip side of that is also there probably could have been more restructuring done. I mean, last year he was, I think, at 30... Six million of a cap hit, even out of a fifty million dollar contract or whatever it was, so a very significant cut and probably about what was right. And they did still have cap money to make moves as the season went along, but like I said, when you compare that to what Brock Purdy is making right now and as a seventh round draft pick, not eligible for an extension yet. And being able to pay everybody else, I mean, you look at the cap for this year, I think they still have $8 million left for this season. Going into next season, prior to any cuts or any moves, um, and again, without knowing the estimate of what the cap's going to be next year, I believe they'd be projected for a cap of about 20-some-odd million in extra room. uh, Because a lot of those void contracts come off the books, especially Aaron Rodgers and a couple other guys. But then the year after that, and again, this is just how the team is made up right now. Um, and obviously, you're going to have to fill a lot of spots because there's a lot of guys whose contracts are up after next season. You're looking at $130 million of cap room per, per spot track. Mm-hmm. So you're basically going to be rebuilding the roster. So if you're looking at 2025 of having either a brand new quarterback or looking to see as to what you're going to pay Jordan Love depending on what route you want to go and what he shows in this next 11 games. And if he would be the guy next year where he shows next season as well, you're going to start paying either guys you already have here, or you're going to have to bring a whole new flock of guys in and use up a lot of that 130 million, but there is room to work. Um, right. So that's, that's why personally, I, again, it's not even, a, I mean, it's based on Jordan Love struggling here early. 
but it's also based, like I said, there is a sense of, okay, let's just look at this financially and look at the teams around us. You know, if you look at Philadelphia playing on a rookie contract, getting, you know, paying Jason Kelsey and in, in the offensive lineman, you're paying Julio Jones, AJ Brown, you know, some of this more high end money. You're pairing Darius Slay in the, in the secondary to be big play Slay. You know, that's kind of the formula right now that you have to kind of consider going to. And as you start to have more and more cap room, if you want to be a contender and compete not just with the 49ers and the Eagles, but you want to compete with Detroit in your own division, you're going to have to do that or overpay at quarterback and hope you get a bargain deal. Right. So it's not just me wanting Aaron Rodgers back. There is a basis in reality on this, too. I want to be very clear on that. It is you wanting Aaron Rodgers back, but that's beside the point. <laughs> All right, Sean. Let's get to our picks for the week. As mentioned, not a great week by any of us. Uh, Shauna had the best picks last week. Um, I did not. Obviously, we you know, the Thursday night football game is pretty well underway here. Um, Trevor did pick Buffalo, or he did pick the Bucks to cover the nine and a half. Uh, the game is in the fourth quarter. Buffalo's up 24-10. I'll be up front and honest. I was going to pick Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Not just saying that. Right. Um, I even had it in pen here. So, Sean, your pick. If you, Were you leaning gonna, Buffalo Bucks? Yeah, I was going to lean Buffalo. Shauna? Your picks for the week. What? Buffalo. Buffalo. <laughs> she has a headset on. She has heard nothing of what the score is. All right. Looking at Sunday's action, um, Dallas and the Rams. I got to say, just real quick. Dallas. Not... <laughs> Shauna's going Dallas. Trevor's going Dallas. Trevor sent this out of order, so I'm not even going on my phone. I'm going on what how he sent it, so I had to actually go and write them all. So Shauna's going Dallas to cover the six. Sean, where are you at? Dallas. All right. I am going to go with Dallas as well. Um, Minnesota Green Bay, as when he picked, we'll keep his you know line here. It was a pick 'em game, uh, truly even. Minnesota. As now, it has gone to a point and a half for Minnesota. Uh, Trevor has the Vikings. Shauna's, if you heard her say the Vikings. Sean? You first. I'm going to go Minnesota. Oh, okay. I'm going to be the only one that's going to take the Packers then. I can be right or I can be happy. That's the way I'm looking at this for this Sunday. Um, I'm kind of hoping for a kind of backward way of getting this right. Um, next game we have Atlanta and Tennessee. Atlanta, two and a half. Trevor Atlanta. has Atlanta. Atlanta. Sean, Atlanta or Tennessee? Atlanta. She's also going Atlanta. I'm also going to go Atlanta, even though I'm mad at B. John Robinson and Arthur Smith. Will Will Levis first career start? Yep, give me Atlanta. <laughs> uh, Indianapolis and New Orleans. New Orleans is a one point favorite. <coughs> Trevor is going. Trevor's going Indianapolis. Sean, you said Indianapolis. Yep. I'm also going Indianapolis. Give me that Minshew magic, Shauna. What's the game? Uh, Indianapolis Saints. 
And in or the Saints are a one point favorite. Saints. Sean's going with the Saints. Uh, New England, Miami, Miami a nine point favorite. Trevor's taking the Patriots to cover the nine. Miami. Yep. Sean is going Miami. Sean, you said New England. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with Trevor. All right, I'm gonna go Miami here as well. I think they're gonna bounce back from getting absolutely owned on Sunday Night Football against Philadelphia. Uh, we've got the battle for New York. We've got the Jets and the Giants. The Jets favored by three. Trevor's going with the Jets. I'm also going with the Jets. Give me the Giants. Sean, Giants. Shauna? Giants. Shauna's also going Giants. Uh, Pittsburgh and Jacksonville. Jacksonville's two and a half on at home. I'm going with Jacksonville. Trevor went with Pittsburgh. Jacksonville. Sean's going Jacksonville. Shauna? What's the game? Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Jacksonville by two and a half. Jacksonville. Sean is also going Jacksonville. Houston, Carolina. Houston favored by three. Trevor went Houston. I'm going Houston. Me too. Shauna? What is it? Houston and Carolina. Houston favored by three. Houston. Seattle and Cleveland. Seattle's a three and a half point favorite at home. Or on the road, excuse me. Uh, no Deshaun Watson. And I also believe DTR is out too. Dorian Thompson, whatever his last name is. Oh. Uh, Trevor's going with Seattle. I'm also going with Seattle. Yep, Seattle. Sharn? What's the game? Seattle, Cleveland. You, Cleveland. Have your, you have your ear off. Cleveland. Yeah, but I'm not paying attention. Uh, Philadelphia, Washington. Philadelphia's a six and a half points at home. Or on the road, excuse me. Trevor's going Philadelphia. I'm also going Philadelphia. Yep, Philadelphia. I'm not even asking Sean on this one because she's going to say Jason Kelsey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kansas City, Denver. Uh, a rematch of week six. Obviously, Kansas City. Shauna's saying Kansas City. Trevor's also saying Kansas City. I'm saying Kansas City. Yep, same. Uh, this is probably the most interesting game of the week. Cincinnati versus San Francisco. San Francisco's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Brock Purdy is doubtful currently. Yep. I'm thinking the Bengals. Bengals. Trevor went with the 49ers. Joey. Yeah. 49ers. All right, Sunday Night Football, we've got the Chargers and the Bears. Chargers an eight-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Chargers, how, obviously. How is this Sunday Night Football? Because the flex doesn't exist yet. Why not? I don't know. Uh, Trevor's going with the Chargers. I think you said Chargers, Shauna. Obviously. All right. Chargers, too. Sorry. I don't know if I answered. You did not, but, you know, I took the Bears last week, and I was right. Tyson Badgett, who I had never heard of before recording this podcast last week, had a good game. And as I called, I did want to say I called the Deonta Foreman game. Three scores for the back on Texas. Did you I'm, have him on fantasy team? I did not. He was already taken in all those, in all those leagues, but... Um, I'm going to ride the hot hand. I think they cover. I don't think they win, 
But I think they cover. And then is Monday it, night... Is they get blown out this week? Oh, oh 100%. That's what's going to happen. But um, I didn't want us all being on the same game because we have a lot of boards, all four of us, on a lot <laughs> of these games. Um, Monday night football, we've got Detroit and Vegas. Detroit's eight-and-a-half-point favorite coming off the loss to Baltimore. Trevor's going with Detroit. I'm also going Detroit. What I'm going to go Vegas to cover. What'd you ask, Shana? What's the team? Lions Raiders. Lions by eight and a half. Lions. Shauna's going with the Lions. So that is our stats. As of today, coming into week eight of the NFL season, uh, as mentioned, I currently lead the standings at 60 and 46. Sean, you are at 58 and 48. Sean's at 59 and 60 or 59 and 47. And Trevor at six and seven. Um, I do want to give him a, a I kind of want to give him an extra bonus minus one. Because if you recall, when he picked San Francisco, Minnesota, that's the game he used as why, you know, why we go against with against the spread instead of straight up. He said it doesn't matter if we're doing the spread, because anybody can pick San Francisco beating Minnesota. And then the very last thing he said on the podcast was of sports relevance was that San Francisco is going to win that game by 15. They're going to come up buzzing. That is an exact quote. I looked it up today. I wrote it down. I'm tempted to give him minus two for last game. Obviously I'm not because that's not how it works, but just know Trevor. We're kind of calling you out here. We we, we need to upgrade our picks, picks pad too. You should probably, do it, on your, you should probably do it on your laptop. You're pretty good coming up. You know, we still have a lot of paper to use up, so <laughs> we've got a few more weeks of this. Uh, I would even say we might be able to get through the full... Oh, shit. Still going backwards. Going backwards. I, I don't know how this happened, but at some point... Oh, no. I had it wrong. I got confused. Never mind. Don't know how, to, don't know how a notepad works? Yeah, I was looking... I had it backwards. But we are probably... We're probably going to get through the rest of the season and maybe bowl season. It's going to be close. Shauna's going to be mad at us, and we're going to pick every bowl again this year? You're damn right we are. (laughs) So that is our picks on the week um, for week eight of the NFL slate. With that, Sean, just a couple things to close this out. First of all, uh, we got to talk about a bar of the week. And to be honest with you... I don't really really have one ready. I joined a bunch of Facebook groups for Wisconsin dive bars, but I did not. <laughs> I wish I could tell you I'm making this up. Like I joined two Facebook groups for Wisconsin dive bars this week. I don't I don't doubt that one bit. The things that go through my mind. Oh, I know what we're gonna do. Just because they're a sponsor of Luxembourg Casco football, which is oh. I, I got one, too, otherwise. What do you have? We'll do two this week. Why not? Um, Circle Tap in Denmark. Did we do Circle Tap one? in Denmark? Uh, I feel like we did, because we talked about them hosting that softball. Oh, uh, yeah. Championship. I just drove by them. Uh, I'm going to go with the Rendezvous like of Luxembourg. Rendezvous? Uh, the Rendezvous of Luxembourg, a banquet hall and bowling alley also as well as, you know, standard bar and grill. Uh, 4.6 stars on Google out of 243 reviews. 
um, some of the uh, reviews here. Food was great. Staff was friendly and attentive, and you get free ice cream. My older mother-in-law and I appreciate the elevator. Um, another one here. First time here in many years. Great rural restaurant and hall. Brought back many memories of growing up in Green Bay. Uh, chicken was very good. Prices were very reasonable. Haven't thought much about this place, but we'll be going back. Um, this uh, another one here. We have our banquet here every year, and they never disappoint. Food is fantastic. Prime rib and fried chicken, mashed potatoes, corn, coleslaw and dessert, which was cherry pie, chocolate pie, and others. Pizza is also fantastic as well. Uh, drinks are very good, too. So plenty of people talk about it. And again, a big shout-out to them sponsoring Luxembourg Casco Football and letting me be on the call for them. So the rendezvous in Luxembourg is our bar of the week. And that leads us just to close out the show with what we are rooting for in the upcoming week. I'm going to go with that Luxembourg Casco football, another Friday night under the lights, a lot different weather this week um, than what last week was. Last week was pristine weather and a little slick with just the dew because it was cooling off. But uh, this Friday actually supposed to be that one of the warmer days of the week, 64 degrees and cloudy. So High school football weather, can't wait for it. What do you got first, Sean? Halloween party. Halloween party Saturday. Having everybody here. Just be a good time Saturday. Looking forward to it. All right. For Shauna, Ramsey just not here this week. I'm Eric. That's Sean. Episode 132 is in the books. Big thanks to Rich Buchholz for joining us earlier in the show. We're out. See ya. See ya.